Every day in our city, there are several thousand women, men, and children that are homeless. Many may not look that way because they have a temporary shelter from a family member or acquaintance. No promise of food for tomorrow. No real job prospects. No clear direction. Survival is the goal. But there is help. There's a source of relief. There is support waiting and willing to come alongside these individuals. The source of optimism is an organization called Open Door Mission. The Open Door Mission is a Christian rescue mission founded on the belief that with proper resources, hope can be restored, and lives of impoverished men, women, and children of Rochester, New York, could be forever changed. Now, here is the Executive Director of the Open Door Mission, Anna Valeria Eisman, with our monthly program, Hope Lives. Hi, everyone. My name is Anna Valeria Eisman. I'm the CEO of the Open Door Mission, and this is Hope Lives. Here again with me is Kate Munzinger. Kate, thanks for being here, as usual. Of course. It's always so fun. Yes. How how are things going at uh, Senator Helming's office? Uh, Things are going great. Very busy, but good. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Is this kind of budget time, or what Um, are we getting ready for in New York here? We're closing in on uh, budget time. April 1st is our deadline. Okay. Oh, so that's um, moving. A lot of... of, Discussions, a lot of negotiations. Yeah. Um, uh, Senator Helming's in Albany most of the time now. So okay, yep. okay, great. Uh, so you have, um, as we do usually this time of year, we try to start preparing our annual report that we send out to our donors and, and anyone who's interested. Gives us a really nice snapshot of uh, what we did last year. And I understand you have some of those statistics with you today. I, most people say their favorite time of year is Christmas. Mine is really when I compile the annual report <laughs> so I can get some good statistics. Um, but talking about our cold water um, home first, mm-hmm. cold water had a total total of 66 residents for uh, 2023. 22 of those residents were adults and 44 were children. Um, that is a very, lot of kids this lot year. Of, a lot of kids this year. <laughs> Every time I go over there, the, they're just there's new kids that I haven't seen yet, and they're all small. Like there's a, it's all smaller children now, so it's really and they always <laughs> look like they're having a great time. Yes. Like it yeah. just it, it's a lot of fun. I, I will say when you yeah. walk in there, it really just warms your heart because yes. it's there's a lot of activity. You can hear kids and little kids and big kids everywhere, yep. and they're all having uh, playing and having fun. Yes. Um, the Miller mm-hmm. Building had a total of 21 residents in 2023, so that was you know. That was our first year opening. We only have 24 units, so up to 21 residents. And I know that we have some that we're being, you know, interviewing now. Um, interesting because, and you, you might be able to explain this better than I can, but, you, you know, at Miller, what, there's a certain amount of beds for mm-hmm. certain categories. Yes. You kind of want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, so we, we've divided our units into categories that were dis- um, essentially designated for specific high-risk populations within the homeless population. So um, units for the chronically homeless, folks dealing with substance abuse issues, um, mental health issues. And then um, we also have units set aside for youth aging out of foster care. And that's been the h- toughest one to fill. I was going to say, out of all, you know, they, they I have a breakdown of, of mm-hmm. how many were in each category. But the one yep. uh, that is hard, that we only had one that is considered a youth, which is 18 to 25. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we targeted this demographic because it's such, it's, it's a growing There's such demogra- a huge need. huge need for yeah. it. But the problem is, is that oftentimes um, youth who are in, fall in this category, they're really kind of flying under the radar, you know, so to, to identify and then keep them engaged long enough to go through the process of moving into a place, 
going through the paperwork and all of that can be a challenge. Um, so I, I think, you know, I'm confident that, you know, with making the right connections, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But um, because it is such a critical need, we don't want to necessarily um, give up those units just yet. Right. We just got to keep working at it. So um, anyone out there listening, if you work with youth in that category, uh, give us a call. We'd love to connect. <laughs> um, to move on to our addiction recovery uh, program, we had 21 addiction recovery students this year. Um, I mean, as you know, Anna, but for our listeners to know that is a residential recovery program mm-hmm. um, that we um, have on Plymouth Avenue. And we had five students graduate. We did. I was just, that was my next <laughs> oh, statistic. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm still calculating the amount of vocational hours and things mm-hmm. that um, that our students did, but it was a very successful year. And we just had a graduation recently. I yeah. think we might have talked about it on the last show. I think we did. We talked because um, we had Tiffany on. Very moving. And five students, just just for kind of a frame of reference here, 20, 20 students in the program and five students graduating does not mean 15 of them did not graduate. That just means folks had already graduated or sometimes they will move on before graduation. Um, and we've we've talked about this before, that graduation isn't the only litmus test for um, success. You know, we will have some folks that maybe leave before they're officially graduated, but they've completed enough. They're moving into independent housing, you know, um, full-time employment, reuniting with family, that kind of stuff. Um, so not always the case, but that can be the case. So, and we have, we expect to actually be holding two graduations this year. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, Okay. Now, here's a big one. This is from Jeremy, who is our director of emergency services. So you can imagine how busy his job is. So I'm just going to go down this list and read it for you, Anna, and then I'm going to let you comment. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the numbers number of meals served in 2023 was 116,000. That's a lot of meals. That's a lot of meals. Um, Poundage of food distributed is 549,000. Uh, pounds of clothes collected in 2023, uh, 334,000. Um, clothing clients um, that we served with our new, mm-hmm. uh, brand new clothing room, um, 1,874. Mm. Um, poundage of emergency clothes to clients that was distributed is about 16,000. Wow. Number of pantry partnerships in 2023 was 12. Number of pounds of emergency food distributed was 10,000 pounds. So pretty amazing. It's a lot of food and a lot of clothes. That's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a lot of numbers. We're so busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think something that's really um, important is that is that the 12 food pantry partners. Um, and so for folks who don't know, we've talked about this a couple of times, but we actually are able to, because of the overabundance of food donations we get, we are able to distribute food to other local pantries. Not every pantry, you know, is equipped or even qualifies to get, you know, support from Foodlink. And Foodlink is huge and helps so many people, including us. Foodlink is a strong partner of ours. But some of these, you know, smaller pantries, their churches, their local neighborhood pantries, they don't have access to some of those resources. So we're able to provide for them and in a very regular way. Even um, I know we were actually, um, we started a little partnership with Sister Grace for those mm-hmm. of you who are member Sister Grace, formerly with the House of Mercy. She, of course, has not stopped doing the work that she does. So we've been helping her out um, with food as she um, is actually trying to start up a, a place of her own now, too. So lots of great part. I mean, in the clothing room, again, you know, if you get a chance to come and if whether you're donating clothes or you're volunteering, it's really worth the visit just to come and see what the clothing room looks like now. And that's it. Uh, 
20 North Plymouth. 20 North, 20 North Plymouth. Plymouth actually slash 80 West Main. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it actually has multiple um, addresses, but it is on the corner of Maine and Plymouth. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it, there. So when we talk about 1,800, you know, people served, that includes men, women, children, um, and lots, lots of people back to school clothes, um, Christmas needs, you know, seasonal needs as they come Household up. Household items. Yep. Towels, Migrant families that have yeah. been here, they, they um, utilize our resources a lot. Yeah. So there's, we've been able to do quite a bit. And I know we have to get calling our, yep. our guests, but there's one more statistic, which is our shelter nights. We uh, served 2,160 people. Um, which totaled 17,300 nights of shelter. Yeah, and we are averaging 100 people a night. Um, we, we can get into this a little bit more after we talk to Jason, but you know, we're, we're actually now at 120 people at our emergency shelter now that we've been able to uh, open up the, shel- the separate shelter space for women. So we've been able to um, house the men, uh, but we're still, we're still at almost 100 at the men's shelter and then another 20 at the women's shelter. So we continue to be very busy there. Um, and um, on another note, we're going to be talking to Jason McGuire. For many of you who have listen trying, to us probably know who he is. <laughs> he's a busy man. We've been trying yes. to get him on for a few months now. Yeah. Um, he serves as the executive director for New Yorkers Family Research Foundation, and um, it's affiliate the New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Um, he's been a passionate defender of Christian principles, and I think he's pretty well known around here in the area. Absolutely, and he's been really a good friend to us and a good resource to us as we have had questions over the years from everything from you know religious liberties when it comes to hiring um, and funding and all of that kind of stuff, and even just general kind of policy questions that we have. So let's get him on the phone and, and see what he has to say. So we have Jason on the line. Um, Jason, uh, we did. We already did a brief introduction of you and, and who you are. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, your foundation and, and what you guys are working on and your role in that? Yeah, well, it's good to be with you today. Yes. Thanks for the opportunity. So I'm the executive director of New Yorkers Family Research Foundation, uh, where we really um, educate, equip, and, and help people engage with their government. Uh, we believe that public policy matters, and we advocate for the family here in New York State. We believe that a strong state is not possible without strong families. Mm-hmm. And so we want to see public policy that reflects uh, moms and dads uh, loving their kids and raising them and uh, just strong and stable uh, families to build a strong and stable society. Yeah. And how true is, I mean, you know, pe- people may be wondering, I mean, we, we, we talk policy on the show pretty regularly. Um, and one of the, obviously, and I think you captured it in your overview, Jason, but, you know, our, our connection with what you do is that this, this impacts the people that we serve on a daily basis, public policy and how it relates to families. You know, I, I think about how we are, we're currently right now working with several families who um, are having to stay in hotels or their cars. Um, and the biggest reason is because they are um, not eligible for services um, for housing or emergency services because they are intact families. <laughs> um, so every time they call any agency, they're saying, well, if you'll split up, we can help you, you know, but if not, <laughs> there's nothing we can and do. And often they will. So <laughs> and they will. Some, yeah. Some place yeah. To stay. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you get in desperate situations. You're forced to make some, you know, unfortunate decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the problems we have with government today yeah. is it really incentivizes, in many cases, the breakup of the family yes. rather than keeping that family intact. I yeah. mean, thank God for, for works like yours, organizations that are standing in the gap and doing what they can in these situations. 
but if we had these intact families, if we had fathers in the home, mm-hmm. if we had uh, moms who were, you know, working alongside to rear those kids mm-hmm. in a way that, uh, you know, raises them upright, well, we would not have the need for the types, at least as many of the types of services as you're providing. Yes. Uh, so let's get back to really restoring the family in our state. So, and how do we do that, Jason? Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what are some of the things that we can do as, you know, as listeners, as Christians? And also, what are, what are some of the policy areas that we should be aware of and, you know, I'm watching right now? Yeah, well, organizationally, you know, the first thing I feel like I always have to say is, we realize that our greatest need is first spiritual, not political. Yes. Uh, and so what we mean by that is um, we do have to get back to a right relationship with our Creator. We have to recognize He created the family to work a certain way. And when we work in accordance with that, well, then I believe we, we will see um, you know, our state being blessed and, and, and seeing growth in our state. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that public policy doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, so let's incentivize couples getting married rather than just living together. Yeah. Statistically, when they are married, when they're in that committed relationship, uh, where they have stood before witnesses and they've taken that stand, uh, it means something different to them. It means something different to their children. It means something different to even their financial income and mm-hmm. uh, the amount of taxes they pay over yeah. their lives. And, and those kinds of things are good for our state. Mm-hmm. So we want to see that. Everything that government does, when it um, takes the role of the family or takes on the role of the family improperly, costs them more. Yeah. Just think about school lunches, for example, or let's just say school meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, many kids are, are going to school now. They're receiving breakfast at school. They get lunch at school. Some places they're, they're getting evening meals at school and after-school mm-hmm. programs, yeah. basketball and such, that run until 9 o'clock at night. And I understand the need for some of those um, programs where, where these kids don't have parents that are caring for them, but the larger uh, public policy question is, can government do this more effectively, or can the family do this more effectively? Yeah, yeah. And I guarantee you, when the local government or state government is providing the peanut butter and jelly sandwich for that kid, it's costing far more than a mom and dad who can provide that. Mm-hmm. So we want to see homes that are fulfilling their role as the family, not government that's stepping into that role. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it in other areas now with, for example, there's a mandate in New York, or a push for a mandate for sex ed. Uh, sex yeah. ed is an issue mm-hmm. that we believe should be settled between uh, parents and their kids. Yeah. And again, I recognize that unfortunately in some homes, uh, you don't have moms and dads that are having those conversations, but let's make that uh, the anomaly, the outsider, not the normality. Yeah. What the state does is it usurps the role of mom and dad in the home, mm-hmm. and then it creates um, animosity between parents and their children. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we've got our work cut out for us, don't we? <laughs> um, what, what, so in what things, you know, legislatively, you know, we're, we're um, you know, it's still early in the year. So now is the time to be kind of watching. I know I'm, I mostly kind of do this at, I'm watching for, you know, federal policies coming down, especially with regards to HUD and, and other and religious freedom issues and things like that. What should we be watching for in New York state this year? Well, in November, there was something known as the uh, so-called Equality Amendment that is coming to the ballot. Yeah. And that is a constitutional amendment that will be portrayed um, as institutionalizing abortion rights in the state. Now, morally, I have a problem with that. Yeah. But, I, but yeah. I will argue that knowing my state, nothing's going to change one way or the other regarding abortion anytime soon. But the greater threat in this amendment, in my mind, is what it does to parental rights. If this amendment passes, it essentially replaces parents in their children's lives. 
And I don't believe that government should have that kind of a role in my kids' lives. Yeah. So I'll be voting against the Equality Amendment in November 2024. Okay, that's yeah, that that's interesting. I, I was at um, oh, it was an event. I think it was in November, or December for the uh, Feminists Choosing Life of New York, and they were discussing this. Um, this piece of legislation as well for, for the same reasons, mostly because of the issue. We, we already know, um, you know, kind of the, of the status of abortion in New York State. You know, we don't see that going anywhere. Um, but the, the issue of what it does to parents is definitely the most alarming part of that. So, you know, um, I think that's, you know, where can people go, Jason, to kind of look into that? Do you have anything like like that to, to um, so people can learn more about that, like on your website? Yeah, we've got a couple of websites. We have articles uh, up at albanyupdate.com. If they simply search for the Equality Amendment in, in uh, the okay. search bar there at albanyupdate.com. But, you know, there's another opportunity. Uh, Tuesday, March 12th, uh, we're bringing, you know, hopefully a 1,000 people to the state capitol, and we'll be having a parental rights panel. We'll be talking about this amendment and providing with opportunities where people can learn about this and then educate their circles of influence as to why we uh, have so many objections to it. So it's really what we call our legislative day, a day of action, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a rally day at the state capitol on Tuesday, March 12th. The information for that is at both albanyupdate.com and newyorkfamilies.org. Great. So, th- so this is, and this is actually legislation that will be voted on in New York State, right? This is not something that's just going through assembly, and right? This is something that voters will have the opportunity to vote on? Yeah, voters yeah. will be voting this time. The legislature's already approved it, right? right. Um, and so now it's going to the voters in November twenty twenty four. And and so that's key, you know, for for people who are listening to know that they're you know through through word of mouth and education, and you know it's it's you know we could actually impact whether or not this thing goes through. So, thank you, thank you for that update, Jason. Um, anything else we should be we should be watching for? You know, we're seeing a major push for assisted suicide in our state. Mm. Uh, that's something we're also focused on this year. And, and we see that as not only a pro-life issue, uh, but really a whole life issue. Yeah. You know, this is a situation where folks uh, near the end of their lives um, are, are choosing assisted suicide, in some instances advocating for this policy, because they say they don't want to be a burden to their family. Mm. And that's mm. unfortunate, because yeah. that becomes really the duty to die. Uh, it is what it is in the minds of many people. So we are opposed to the issue of assisted suicide, yeah. and we're encouraging our state to really um, work more towards greater use of hospice and palliative care services. Mm-hmm. New York is last in the nation when it comes to hospice care, huh. and I'm the state that's known as ever upward, the Empire State. Uh, that's abysmal, and we ought yeah. to be far better in end-of-life care than we currently are. Assisted suicide should not be the only option that people are provided. Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. We've been we've touched on it. Just made me think of, um, I guess, kind of similarly. Um, you know, we we're seeing the local locally anyway. We're seeing people begin to push for the uh, uh, safe injection sites, um, which are grossly ill defined. Um, and we've talked about our opposition to that to that model um, when it comes to um, drug use and harm, harm reduction, it, because in a similar way, we, we've talked about how, you know, safe injection sites, basically, you know, advocates are more or less saying, you know, the, the goal is just to not die. You know, <laughs> if, if, if your goal is just to not die, not for recovery, not for, thir- you know, thriving and flourishing and, um, you know, um, reconciliation and all of the things that come with recovery and sobriety, if, if our goal is just to simply um, to, you know, to not die, how, how 
how sad of a you know a, a condition that is, and I think it, all all around we're just seeing a lack of value when it comes to to human life in our in our state. <laughs> That's really kind of what it comes to. Yeah, we maintain that same opposition to these uh, you know so-called supervised injection sites. Mm-hmm. We, we're concerned about that. It reduces the stigma dr- around drug use, which. You know, I know to some extent people say we want to eliminate the stigma, but, but there is a certain aspect which stigma helps um, discourage certain behaviors. Yes. We're yep. seeing similar actions in legalizing prostitution. Yeah. We push yep. legalized prostitution, and we reduce the stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Well, there ought to be a stigma mm-hmm. around uh, those types of behaviors. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. state has now um, uh, incentivized, really, uh, mobilized sports betting, uh, marijuana mm-hmm. use. Yep. And, and so we, we live in a state where we are constantly telling people, uh, survive, 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 yeah, but yeah. never to thrive yes, and flourish. Yes, exactly. We want yeah. to see the family flourishing here in New York State. Yep, yep. absolutely. Kane, any questions from you before we let Jason get back to work? We know you're a very busy. busy yeah, guy. no, we just want to. We're very appreciative that you came yes, on today. Yeah. We've been we've been looking forward to it for a long time and trying to <laughs> trying to get you. We know how busy you are, so we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us. And we'll go ahead and put the uh, information for that um, on the, our social the legislative media day on our yep. yeah yep. That'd be wonderful. Thank you both for your work and for the opportunity to uh, share more about our work today. Of course, thanks so much, Jason. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. It was great talking to Jason. I'm so glad we finally got him on. I figure I feel like we could actually do like a whole show with just him to kind of unpack some of the stuff that he he was talking about. He's got a lot of just history mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. issues too. He's been around for a long time and yeah. very involved. So yeah, uh, we'll have to These, get him on they're again. Doing good work. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. My other favorite part of the show is talking about the things that we need at Open Door Mission right now. So as far as clothing, uh, we still need infant clothes. We need pants for men, women, and children, all sizes, you know, men and all people, Mm -hmm. just pants. Uh, When I was at Coldwater the other day, um, um, Rita was there Mm -hmm. um, who works for us, and she was saying that a lot of the moms have been asking for pants for their boys because... Just as boys they're do, growing. they're flooding. You know, their, their pants are flooding. They've blown out the knees because mm-hmm. they're, you know, yeah. uh, playing so hard in them. So pants is something mm-hmm. we need. Underwear still. I always, need always, always, always ask for underwear. Um, men, women, children's everybody's underwear. If you can just, you know, pick some up the store and drop it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's still winter time. So boots. boots. Yep. Yeah, like we talked about, with 120 people a night, we're serving an emergency. Many of them kind of stay and are regulars, but many of them are new and just kind of cycling in and out. So so they come and we always have new requests for boots and winter gear. Right. I mean, Rochester, I mean, let's be honest, winter here lasts about six months. So we're only about <laughs> yep. halfway through. So um, please continue to think of us, you know, yep. as the weather gets cold. Um, March is so snowy usually always. Yep. So th- think of us during those those cold months. And if you can drop off clothes, that's great. Sometimes it might be easier for you if you're like me and you like to shop online. We have a wish list on Amazon. Um, you don't have to order it through Amazon. You could certainly order it through you know Walmart or Target or wherever you go. But if you click on Amazon, you can go to our wish list and you can see um, exactly what we need. You know, we update it every week, so it's always current. Um, and we're always posting it on social media. So this is my other plug. Yep. If you are listening and you don't follow us on social media, please consider doing that. We're Open Door Mission, Rochester, New York, on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, so, you know, give us a look, and then we're always posting things that we need. 
And um, while while we're talking social media, when you look us up, you will may you may find other open door missions. So this it's a nice reminder that we love the other open door missions. We work very closely with them. All the open door missions that I'm aware of, anyway, are members of the CityGate Network, which we've talked about. We've got one in Omaha. We've also got one up in Glens Falls, New York. Believe it or not, I feel like the biggest one that people confuse us with the most is Omaha. Is in Omaha. Yes. Right. Yes. Yep. So um, we often get people that accidentally make maybe send a donation to Omaha instead of us. So we're Candace and, and I, she's versa. the CEO there. Well, we like it to... better when, when it's the other way. When... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we are not necessarily affiliated. However, we are very close with the other open doors. So if an accident happens, you're, we, we can easily fix it. Right. But... So just we're open door mission In Rochester, Rochester, New York. New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big thing I want to talk about, because, you know, spring, I mean, I just talked about the long winter, mm-hmm. but spring is around the corner. And we are hosting our 24th annual golf tournament. Um, if people have are listening and they've been there before, it is a really great day. Mm-hmm. We always get good weather. Knock we on wood. We always get good weather. Yes. <laughs> Knock on wood that we're going to have it. Chris Scrabani, who's been on many times, who yep. is the new vice president mm-hmm. of advancement. Um, Chris has been, he's been working here for... I don't know, thirty years almost, probably twenty five. I think twenty five years. Close, and he's yeah. been he's been organizing this golf tournament for twenty four years. Yeah, I mean yeah. this thing is it moves fast. It's fun. Well oiled machine. Well oiled machine. Point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's Monday, May twentieth. Uh, the shotgun is at noon. So you know, please go online as we just talked about mm-hmm. opendoormission.com. You can register online. It is a fun morning. If you can't join us for golf afternoon, afternoon, yeah, yeah, morning and well we. Oh, yeah. Afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Afternoon, it starts at noon. But if you can't join us for golf, you could join us for lunch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, any any last things before we – before are you good? Well, I mean, I, I am good. <laughs> I, I did talk about clothing. I could always talk about food, too. So if – for our pantry does get kind of bare this time of year. Yes, yeah. Um, we get a huge burst of things, you know, around Thanksgiving and and the holidays, and then it starts to dwindle a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the same with the clothes. But if you're out at the grocery store, we need soup. You know, soups always coffee, coffee. pasta, mm-hmm. um, all those non perishable uh, p- perishable items. Yep. Um, we take all food really, mm-hmm. um, but unless it's been prepared, unless it's been prepared, yep. but. Um, if you're out and about, please think about helping us yeah. stock our pantry because we also stock <clears throat> other pantries. We yeah. make food boxes for people who need it. So we talk. Uh, p- yep, uh, peanut butter and jelly factories are always something to do. And that reminds me. On one last note, volunteer. If you will go to opendoormission.com/slash/volunteer, you can sign up. Uh, we always have opportunities open, and our folks really love to engage with the community when they see people come in and serve a breakfast or a dinner or uh, speak at chapel. There's really they, they really love to hear um, from people who are supporting them who are taking the time to and do that. And the process is so much easier now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people that are regular volunteers know how to how to sign up, but right. Now you just go to opendoormission.com. It will show you all the openings we have for volunteers and you just put your name right in. Sounds great. And we will talk to you next month. The journey that the students go on is a journey of self-discovery. They come to learn more about themselves than they've ever learned before. Because of the Oakland Door Mission Recovery Program, things are going to work themselves out for myself if I work the love and the word of God into my life. Seeing them accomplish their goals, get through each step. And become who they're meant to be is a really beautiful thing. Learn more and give at opendoormission.com. Thank you for joining us for Hope Lives. 
with the Open Door Missions Executive Director, Anna Valeria Eisman. For more information or to make an impact along with us, go to opendoormission.com.